Going Linux, episode 365, listener feedback. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. And I'm your co-host, Bill. Whether you're new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you valuable information and advice that will help you in Going Linux. We hope that you'll find this and all of our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done. If you want, you can send us feedback at our email address at goinglinux at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 1-904-468-7889. In today's episode, listener feedback. Hello, Bill. Hello, Larry. How are you? I am doing great. I hear this rumor that you may be distro hopping again. What's going on? Yeah, yeah, yes, I was distro hopping. I got the bug, and of course, I went back to my old evil ways and tried a bunch of them. And uh, I was actually looking for um, some uh, distros that might be uh, some interest to our listeners. And uh, you know, we've we've always heard that most of uh, the distros we recommend are all uh, Ubuntu-based or Debian-based. And so uh, I went and looked at a few that weren't, that were supposed to be new, user-friendly right out of the box. And with varying degrees of success, you can go to our MeWe and <laughs> see the list of ones I tried. <laughs> so um, I found one. It's official derivative of Ubuntu, of course, um, that I like a lot and i've been running for a while now uh for a while in my terms anyway and it's called uh ubuntu budgie and uh, it's really really nice it's um there's some screenshots in our uh, community forums about that um uh, so yeah uh run into a few problems I, I actually even looked at that new um mx linux and it, it run okay uh but it's just the interface is just a little too um, barren for me. Strip, yeah, I was going to say stripped down, but barren yeah, is probably but, a better word. But I know you can change it. And don't Please don't send emails saying uh, that you can modify it or whatever. Um, I know you can, but uh, I was kind of looking at it as, is, does this look nice for a new user who might not know more than how to change wallpaper type of right, deal? Right, exactly. Um and uh, the the other thing is, um, I noticed, and I, I realize that's part of the whole idea, is that the um, it's supposed to be super stable, and it is. But the, a lot of the programs are the older versions, and uh, they work, but they're just not quite as. Um, I guess up to date would be a good term for me. But if you just want something that works and it has some easy ways to get things done, uh, I would say I would suggest uh, uh, taking a look at it if you want. I, I don't really think it would be a great uh, first user distro. I think the uh, uh, Mate or uh, Budgie uh, is is better. Uh, I was having some issues again with um, Linux uh, Mint. I, and I don't know if it's just because you know they just did that uh, release, the update. But anyway, I, I just 
if it, if it gives me problems, then and I can't, and it's not something simple or it's not fixed for real time. I can't really recommend that. So Budgie worked really well out of the box. I didn't have any issues. Everything worked. So so it sounds like between MX Linux and Budgie, you're preferring Budgie, right? I am. I'm not. I haven't written off MX uh, Linux. I think it's a a good. Um, distro it has some really interesting and cool tools like you can fix the you can reinstall your bootloader if you're having problems with it from a within the distribution it has a easy way to get your third-party nvidia drivers by just clicking a button um so yeah it's got some different potential but uh i'll probably run that in a virtual machine for right now until I can um, get a chance to um, play with it more, but I think the one that, but the one that just works really well for me right this moment uh, is the the budgie. But I'll let you know how I how this this little goes on. I might have not given enough time. I played with it for about oh probably about three hours, just you know pounding on it to see if I could get it to mess up and it was rock solid and and one of the, and it's really fast so anyway that's about it yeah well there's a reason why we uh pick distributions that work to recommend to new users so and uh uh, that leads us mostly to Debian-based distributions and Ubuntu-based distributions because they seem to work better for new people. You know, I'm a little disappointed, but with Sabion, because uh, you know they say it should just work out of the box, and I think, well, hey, you know, if this would work uh, well, then we could say if you do, if you do, for some reason you don't want to try a, a Debian or Ubuntu-based, to go ahead and try this one, uh, because I I remember. When I run it a long time ago, it had a huge library. And uh, then I uh, tried one of my old favorites, which, you know, I was a fan for. I run, well, that one stayed on my machine quite a while, uh, was PC Lynx OS. And no amount of voodoo witch doctrine could get that thing to boot. I, I mean, I think if I uh, took the computer out and was dancing around uh, in the moonlight, it still wouldn't work. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So that was kind of disappointing. So, you know, mainly the focus was to try to find some options because we, we've both been uh, accused of being uh, Ubuntu fanboys, and uh, I wanted to give other options. I've got a couple more on my uh, list. I want to look, I haven't uh, messed with um, Open uh, Susie or Susa, oh, yeah. however mm -hmm. you want to yep. say it, lately. Uh, I've so I don't know um, how that will work, and uh, but I was actually looking at the Manjaro, trying to find you know because it's moving up in distro watch rankings also, and I wanted I, you know I just wanted to say hey here's a Arch based here's a RPM based here is a Deb based uh, system that are all uh, good choices. But, you know, as we both know, different distributions are at different levels. And so um, I'll let you know how the journey goes. But, uh, you know, 
that's that's I enjoy doing that, but mm-hmm. there's a few that I just can't that we I could recommend that I can't recommend anymore. Um, unfortunately, that's how things go. Yeah, we'll keep on top of it and yes. continue to make recommendations or whatever. But uh, hey, if this is the first episode of Going Linux that you've ever listened to, we've just well, spent sorry. More, almost 10 minutes worth of discussion using a lot of buzzwords. Yes. Uh, so um, we have started a Back to Basics series that you will probably want to go back to episode 364, which is the one immediately prior to this, and listen to that one. It'll give you a lot of the buzzwords we just used, the definitions and some examples, and that'll make a lot more sense to you. So Yeah, and I want to also apologize. I I, um, I got a little geeky there. We, we usually don't get that geeky without having a reference, but uh, you just happened to catch me on a, a geeky rant day, so I apologize. So please <laughs> listen to the other episode, and you'll understand. <laughs> so, okay, so what else is going on, Bill? Um, how's our poll doing for the community thing? So, so the the voting on our poll was closed, and we decided that the official new community for Going Linux podcast will be MeWe. Uh, we've got a lot of positive feedback from our community members, and everybody seems to think uh, it's as good or a little better than um, Google+. Uh, it seems to work well. Uh, people are enjoying the you know different uh, sections where you can upload files and screenshots and and all in all, it's uh, it's a little different. In um, but the learning curve is really really low. It's uh, it we like it. Um, well, I like it because of its uh, kind of friendly community. Uh, and uh, I know we were talking about this uh, off the show, Larry. You kind of liked the idea that uh, of the privacy. So why don't you tell them a little bit about your feelings on it? Yeah, uh, one of the things that it hits you in the face with when you first log into it is that we're not for sale, meaning they're not going to sell your uh, your personal and private information and their privacy policy is readable and it makes sense. And I think that that's one of the reasons why our listeners as well like MeWe. So, and listeners to other podcasts. So a lot of podcasts like us, we're using Google+. Plus which is, first, it's not open source, and second, it's pretty uh, good with security and privacy, but still not perfect. And I'm not going to say that MeWe is perfect, but it's better. And when you've got something that looks better, works better, and is better in many ways, then you switch to that. And the fact that Google Plus is shutting down helps us to make that decision. (laughs) But the toughest decision was finding something that was going to be okay for everybody. I mean, I personally, I would have been okay with X Chat, you know? <laughs> but you know. IRC channel. Oh, another buzzword. I know. Sorry, guys. IRC just for you new new guys is Internet Relay Chat. It's like the old time AOL chat rooms. So yeah, that, that's what that means. So. So I, I'd have been happy with that, but uh, yeah, we wanted to give folks a little better environment to be able to share screenshots and have discussions and go back and forth. And 
already, although we've only been using MeWe for a very short period of time, it has eclipsed what we we started with, which was Discord as kind of the first experiment that we actually went live with. And uh, it's probably going to stay around because we're going to continue to use Discord to record. So uh, we'll keep the chat going in there. So you have your choice. But uh, as of going live with this episode of the Going Linux podcast, we will change our community.goinglinux.com to point at our MeWe uh, uh, discussion group, and that will be our official uh, community site for our podcast until something happens to MeWe. And you know, knock, <laughs> and knock, they- <laughs> knock on wood, nothing ever happens to MeWe. But if it does, we have other options. We didn't think anything was going to happen to Google Plus. <laughs> That's so, true. That is true. I mean, surely Google Plus, one of the biggest internet company on the face of this earth, can run uh, a service. But uh, we have been wrong, and we will continue probably being wrong. But uh, another thing that you wanted to talk about was our donate button. Oh, right. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, you may have noticed if you were the kind of person who wanted to donate, that we had a donate button on the website. Uh, and it allowed you to use PayPal or whatever you wanted to make donations to uh, the podcast to help us defray the cost of uh, internet uh, service and licensing of our domain and other in you know incidental costs related to running the podcast. And uh, for a number of reasons... We or I added the button in the first place because a couple of people, Bill included, when he was simply a listener, uh, wanted to donate to the show. So I was prepared not to even worry about donations, uh, but I added the button just to be convenient. And the other day, you and I, Bill, decided we don't really need that money so why nope. why should we you know it, it seems like begging for money that we don't really need so we <laughs> took the button down and if you do want to donate anything um donate it to a charity or donate yes. it to uh, a, a linux distribution or you know do something like that cuz we don't need it and we don't have the donate button anymore however Thank you to everyone who yes. did donate. I do appreciate um, the the donations we have gotten, and it has helped. Um, yeah, we both have uh, full time jobs, so we do this because we like to. But yeah, if exactly. you if if you're, um, I'd like to make a suggestion. If you guys do want to donate, how about donating to the distribution that you're using? Uh, there's developers and people that work to make these things better and I know uh, every little bit helps and if another one is the FSF which is Freedom Software Foundation that's uh, uh, another good one and there's also uh, one called the Linux Foundation that Linus Torvos works for so there's a lot of uh, open source projects and you don't have to just give to a distribution you can do give to a project like if you find a piece of software that is working really really well 
for you and has helped you, uh, you know, go to that developer's site and donate to them. Uh, we, we all benefit. Uh, when those guys have some resources, you know, whether they need, you know, if they need a little bit of bandwidth or they need to buy a new piece of hardware to run drivers on open source. I think that would be a, that's be a, a good thing to do. Yep. Absolutely. Um, okay. I think we have had enough of a preamble, uh, over 15 minutes worth of discussion before we actually get into the, hey, uh, listen you let feedback. me talk. I'm going to talk. I know. Uh, <laughs> that's why. That's why you should have never uninstalled the mute button. Okay, I'm just saying. Right. Yeah. That, that's okay. I think right. this has been very topical, and you know somebody could have easily written in with that as a question. So let's just jump into uh, the, our first email from George from Tulsa. All right. Uh, and he has more Windows tales. Okay, we're talking about Windows on a Linux podcast, but. You'll, you'll understand. He says, I was trying to set up a conference call at work today. One of the participants, a lawyer in a very large firm, didn't get the message. Seems his email was down. The firm's email was down. Email was MIA. I'm not sure of all the details, but overnight, the firm's IT staff did a Windows update firm-wide. Uh, at late morning, restart, rebuild, recover time was uncertain. Allison of the NoSillaCast podcast tells of attending a wedding where the bride and groom had their vows on a Windows PC. They were planning on reading teleprompter style. Audience seated in pews, bride and groom at the altar. Then if anyone can show just cause why this couple cannot be lawfully joined together in matrimony, let them speak now or forever hold their peace. And Windows sticks its hand up and says, I'm updating <laughs> yeah there we go thank you oh, microsoft oh. lovely lovely oh that's that's great oh i needed a laugh this morning and uh does uh your computer uh showing just calls does that does that kill the wedding I don't know. Uh, George didn't say, so <laughs> we'll have to Thanks. just assume. <laughs> yeah, well, you know the. Uh, um, the I, I'm glad on the first story. I'm glad I'm not that IT staff. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, because that might have been kind of ugly, especially if it was an important um, uh, meeting. But the second one was that's just par for the course. So. <laughs> I'm updating. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I've heard I've heard a lot uh, uh, listening to Mike Smith's uh, podcast, um, the Mike Tech Show, about Windows updates killing email. And of course, you know, on, on a firm like this, they are using Exchange, Microsoft Exchange, for their email system. And oh, yeah. Outlook as the email client, and there are just horror story after horror story that Mike, who's an IT tech who who deals with this, talks about in his podcast. So, if you want a uh, to maintain your air of superiority by using Linux, and you just want to gloat a little bit about the problems that we don't have, uh, I mean we have other kinds of problems, but not quite <laughs> <Yes>. this. <laughs> um, you, you might want to listen to Mike Smith's. Uh, uh, podcast so yeah. anyway 
anyway, not receiving an email about a meeting is kind of a mission critical thing there. So yeah, but then again, it may be the only way in some of these firms that you get some peace is when the email goes down. (laughs) That's true. Nobody knows how to use a phone anymore in business. So our next uh, email comes from Carl, and he has a question about for the wise minions and the masters. <laughs> okay. Hello. I love the podcast. have some questions for the masters of the podcast and the minions. What's the best laptop to have when on the road? Sadly, I need to dual boot between Windows, sad face, and Ubuntu Mate. Happy fun time. His words, not mine, guys. Uh <laughs> Maybe some light gaming, but mostly some Photoshop and image stuff and word processing. My personal thoughts on this is that I really like touchscreens. I prefer 1080p resolution. Should I get a hybrid laptop, uh, tablet laptop or a full laptop semi-portable but not too heavy and a USB Type-C with Thunderbolt is nice. Also, uh, we all know Less is more. Best regards, Carl. P.S. Worthwhile links I have found. Found this tutorial on the webs. Uh, don't know who made it, but it really helped helped me switch to Linux. And it's uh, linuxjourney.com. Uh, and the second one is, it's a YouTube channel called Level 1 Linux and Level 1 uh, text and he says very interesting and he puts the links in the show notes or we put the links in the show notes but he gave us the links uh, so if you're interested in seeing those you can find uh, the links to those shows and those uh, into I guess that domain with the, the, from the Linux journey yep absolutely uh, and as far as what laptop to buy uh, that's almost personal choice um, and by the way you're describing this, this isn't going to be an inexpensive laptop, so I can make some specific suggestions. Uh, you can look at the brands that have Linux pre-installed, uh, and since you're going to be dual booting with Windows, you'll pr- probably have to wipe them, install Windows, and then install Linux again. But um, I think that would solve your dual boot um, requirement. The hardware itself, just about any laptop that has Linux pre-installed, whether that's from Dell or from uh, System76 or Emperor Linux or any of those. Um, And as far as some of the more recognizable brands are concerned that may not pre-install with Linux, uh, some of the best ones that are Linux compatible are the Dells and the ThinkPads. Uh, as well as those that are pre-installed. So those would be the manufacturers that I would recommend. And there are many, many, many more out there. Uh, please yeah. please don't just limit yourself to that. And what, what do you think about these um, uh, flip-over... Uh, how did you describe it? The It's a tablet hybrid. Yeah, tablet, tablet hybrid where they flip over backwards and or one that, you know, the, the display disconnects from the keyboard and things like that. Have you had any experience with any of those? I, I've i uh, actually had uh, a Windows-based tablet for work that was like that. 
the only thing I would say if you're going to be using Linux is you want to make sure that hardware supports, especially if, uh, if it's a, a hybrid tablet, it's going to have a touchscreen. And uh, touchscreens are, you know, I wouldn't say super new, but uh, I don't know how well they would be supported in Linux because I, I actually don't have uh, one of those right now. Uh, you did say um, about uh, Dell, Dell, and Dells are pretty good, but let me just say this, that with a caveat. Stay, uh, I run an Alienware. Stay away from the Alienware uh, line of, because Dell owns Alienware now. And uh, because it does not seem to be very super friendly uh, with... Um, with Linux, it, you can run it. I'm running it on right now, but it's kind of a, a, a little beastie when you want to try to get things done. It's just because I think of some of the, uh, uh, the, the interesting hardware they put in it. But uh, yeah. I, w I would kind of agree with you if uh, you're really looking for a top-notch um, Linux uh, laptop that you know works, System76 seems to work really really well and the thinkpad line of um of uh lovo seems to work well i i had um an old think uh, pad and that it just it was just bulletproof it just run run never had an issue i don't know if the new you know, they make uh ultra light um thinkpads now so you might want to look at that but just I think the most important thing is before you give out your hard uh, currency to these guys is to make sure that, you know, that it will run uh, well and it's easy and it's fairly straightforward to get installed. You know, the more features that their laptop has, the bigger chance that it might be problematic. Yes, exactly. And you mentioned uh, possible issues with touchscreen. Um, some distributions support touchscreens better than others. It all has to do with how they have implemented support for it, as opposed to any lack of capability in Linux. What I have found with my Dell XPS 13, not a convertible laptop, just a standard laptop, 13 inch, uh, is uh, with a touchscreen, is that Ubuntu Mate works extremely well uh, and I understand straight up Ubuntu works very well. They've both implemented touchscreen support quite well. Uh, so from personal experience, I can speak about those two distributions. Uh, but some of the applications under Linux also need to implement some things to support touch properly so that it's usable. I mean, you, you can drag your finger around and emulate a mouse, but sometimes you need more than that from a touchscreen computer uh, and you need some support from the application. So just double check if you're thinking about a touchscreen, uh, make sure that the applications you're thinking of running support touchscreen well and will work well under touchscreen. And the best way to do that is to uh, take a USB stick with you to a store if you're going to a store or find a place where you can try it out or find somebody who has one that you're thinking about trying. 
put the you know a bootable USB with a distribution on it and boot from there. Use it from the distribution. Don't install anything on somebody else's computer, <laughs> uh, and just try it out and. And from the live environment, you can install software, usually, uh, depending on the distribution you're, you're trying out. And if you can, try the applications that you have uh, an interest in and try the touchscreen support on those. Make sure it works the way you expect. Otherwise, don't worry about this touchscreen and uh, don't worry about, um, uh, you know, the convertible laptops. Uh, but those are interesting. If if you find one that works, neither Bill nor I have had extensive experience with them. Let us know. Let us know how it goes, and let us know any uh, positives and negatives you come across. Do you think Best Buy would uh, frown upon coming back to the computer displays and find all the computers running Ubuntu? <laughs> Uh, they might. Uh, <laughs> I've heard of people doing that, but the other thing, <laughs> oh, but the wow. other thing you need to worry about is a lot of these places these days, especially with uh, better and better recognition, that USB sticks can carry you know undesirable software on them. Uh, you know the salespeople in the stores are disinclined to let you plug a USB stick even even if you're saying, hey, I just want to try this software and make sure it works before I buy this computer. Um, check it out in a store. You know, if you if you can't if you can't find somebody who has the exact model and you're interested in purchasing and you will let you try it, um, you might want to shop at a place that has a liberal return policy uh, so that if it doesn't work you can send it back uh, and just you know make it make a backup image of the originally installed software before you send it back because when they send you a windows computer and it comes back with linux they may have an issue with that it might have some issues but another solution to this is uh Look for a smaller uh, local shop that builds custom computers, and uh, they tend to be much more uh, accommodating. Because especially if you're going to buy a computer from, say, hey, look, I'm going to run this version of Linux. Uh, I want to buy my uh, computer from you. Okay, uh, can we see? Can we make sure this runs? And I, I bet you they're much more inclined to uh, you know to work with you on that. Yep. Okay, uh, moving on. Roger wrote regarding Ubuntu Mate and printer paperweights. G'day, Larry and Bill. I've just finished listening to episode 363, listener feedback, and during that episode, you touched on my last email, and Bill asked me for more info. Happy to oblige, Bill. My apologies for waffling a bit, but I can assure you, it will be quicker to read than it is to write. <laughs> I'm a home user. I personally use Windows 7 Professional. I just got used to it at my previous workplace and liked it. And our other home PC uses Home Premium. Uh, by the way, Windows 7 is nearing end of life. Just think about that. Unfortunately, that means I don't qualify for any extra support as far as I know either. So upgrade, I must, or go to something completely different. Hence, my renewed interest in Linux. Quite some years ago, I even gave BOS, that's spelled B-E-O-S, a go once, and it showed great promise. Then 
kind of died. Pity. There are other uh, OS alternatives, such as Haiku, a successor to BOS, and React OS, and all the best to their hard work development teams. But I digress. By the way, I've been experimenting with Ubuntu Mate 18.04.1 on a USB stick for the home PC and 16.04.2 on my Raspberry Pi Model 3. Mate seems very friendly, and I can understand why people often recommend it. Your favorable comments on Linux Mint Cinnamon are noted as well. The printer I had trouble with was an Okipage 8Z, or Z, as we say here in America, uh, long since out of production, and it was not very compatible with Linux. Out of curiosity, I looked it up on openprinting.org and reread the page on this printer. I think the particular writer had much more luck than I ever did. My current printer is an HP CP1215, which I've heard uses a Canon engine, but that might just be rumor. And I just noticed that it's specifically supported, along with others, by Foo2HP, a Linux printer driver, for ZJStream protocol. Good on the developer, Rick, who appears to have worked on this since 2003 from the changelog. Yet more software to try out for printing after a 13-year hiatus, probably trying it on the Pi, which may or may not be practical, but we'll see. Time to sign off. Thanks for your advice, and as before, keep up the good work. Kind regards, Roger. All right, Roger, thanks for that feedback on printers and paperweights. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's a good one. Our next email comes from George, who writes again, with a suggestion about a printer for Linux. I long ago abandoned Inkjet, mostly because I too purchased many expensive heads or inkjet cartridges, and they dried out for the lack of use. Don't know much about the latest HP printers. Uh, I did get one HP printer working on a local network at a library where we were testing Chrome OS devices, HP offered a Chrome extension that skips the Google Cloud print mess and keeps what has been printed safely in network instead of up to the internet and back, or is supposed to do that. But I am avoiding HP printers because I've been following how HP is using DRM on its ink cartridges. Leo Laporte uh, had a great caller who had subscribed to the HP Inc. Uh, delivery program, but found Inc. arriving far faster than it was being used. Dropped the subscription, later took a brand new HP cartridge out off the shelf, and it didn't work. Seems HP had turned it off by DRM over the net-related link, and the link is in the show notes. My own experience from my first effort to drop Max and move to Linux Mint is that Brothers' very inexpensive duplex laser printer are plug-and-play, having one running on Zubuntu also. At home, I have a Brother multifunction that didn't work well at all in 2015, but after an update, prints as it should. The copy function works independent of the computer. Scanner doesn't work on any of the three Linux computers I've tested. 
Amazon offers a variety of brother USB-only duplex printers, about $90. Best Buy will price match, which would be useful uh, if a purchased printer surprise didn't work and had to be returned. Mine will work when connected uh, to the USB out of the router. There's also USB plus internet, uh, Ethernet models for more money. I would recommend your emailer buy a high yield toner cartridge and may need to verify he has an all uh, appropriate USB to printer cable. If not, uh, order that too. Yep. Um, all, go- all good points, George. And um, thanks. That's uh, very good advice. And the whole ink subscription thing from HB is kind of wonky as well. I wonder yeah. how they would turn it off. Over the net. Oh yeah, I guess I know how they do that. Yeah, exactly. It's it's connected to the internet yeah. these days. You know uh, that that reminds me of a story uh, back in the day, um, maybe about two years ago. I I was reading that. Um, you remember uh, the Keurig um, printers? Oh no, Keurig. Excuse me, the Keurig coffee makers. Right. Uh, they tried doing that DRM two by putting a, the, a little um, barcode that the, the, their coffee makers would read, and if it wasn't a an approved Keurig uh, pod, it wouldn't work. Yep. Until someone figured out that all they have to do is cut the top off of one, and then just put it on top of <laughs> yeah, <laughs> put it on exactly. top of the other one, and it just worked. So yeah, that. Why would you put DRM on an ink cartridge, except to lock people into? Well, that's that. why. You know, that's it's a good revenue stream for them. Now that's just um, crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Many, um, many printer manufacturers way back before you know we had as many printers as we, as we have today were of the opinion that you give the printer away and you hope that people buy the ink from you because that's where you make the profit. Uh, yeah. And uh, you could buy, there, there was a period of time when you could buy a brand new printer, usually some of the inexpensive ones like Lexmark and so on. Um, you could buy a printer for less money on sale than it was going to cost you to buy the um, replacement ink cartridges for it. <laughs> so would you just buy a new printer every time it ran out of ink? <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I did that a couple of times until they got wise to the fact that people were doing this. And then they started providing half cartridges of ink with the new printers. So <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, I'm out of ink. I need a new printer. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hey, you go follow the money, right? So you uh, yeah. you you go uh, with the least expensive route. And uh, for me, at the time, it's not the case anymore. But at the time, it was go buy a new printer. That's, anyway, that's I'm sorry. I just I can just see Larry just taking a perfectly good printer and say, "Well, time to recycle this one. Here's a new one." Yep, oh wow! Well. Yep. I never had any hardware problems because you know <laughs> didn't have them long enough for that. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, Gord also comments on printers, uh, and this is a very short email. He, he says, I have been very happy with Brother laser printer support under Ubuntu-based Linux. Regards, Gord. Well, that's that's good, Gord. Uh, Brother 
does have some good printers. Uh, most of them these days are Linux compatible, but you'll find every once in a while some of their models. Uh, just check them out. Um, yeah. Before so you buy them. Our... <laughs> Don't go buy another printer. <laughs> yeah. So our next email comes from an email, that, and he writes, Bill made the switch. I was thinking of your podcast when I put the SSD in, then installed Fedora 29 KDE on my favorite Windows 10 desktop, which I built three years ago, having dual booted from about two weeks. Uh, but today was a day. Like a breath of fresh air, Windows now remains locked up in a Proxmox box, uh, seldom to be visited. Visited. Uh, keep up the great podcast, Bill Windham, Vermont. Okay. Yeah. Another yeah, bill. Another bill. So that's good. And so he, another he's, bill who he, has gone to Fedora. Yeah. So he, and Fedora and KDE. Mm-hmm. So I guess. Uh, uh, hey, Bill. How about letting us know how that's working for you? I'm really interested in. Um, it's like you've put Windows in solitary confinement permanently. Yeah, exactly. So congratulations. Yes. Lock it up and forget about it. <laughs> exactly. All right. Our next email is from Tony H. from the Mintcast. And he commented, Yay. Hey, Larry, Bill, thanks for reading Tony W.'s feedback on the last feedback show and complimenting us on the quality of the audio production since we took over from Rob and Isaac in October of 2018. We record our 10th show solo tomorrow, 24th of February. Uh, just to make a correction about our audio production workflow, we did have a go at using the Mumble server recording as we thought it would simplify the post-production process. Unfortunately, the quality was not as good as we had hoped, so we quickly returned to using the local Audacity recording of each host and editing it all together with Audacity in post-production. Yes, this is more work aligning the tracks and ensuring that all the audio is leveled as well as we can get it, but ultimately, we do get a better show at the end. And by the way, Tony, that's exactly the way that Bill and I do this. Uh, we do still record the mumble tracks as a backup, so if one or more of the hosts has a problem with their local recording, we have a fallback to slot in their mumble track into the show if we need to. It is thanks to feedback from the listening community that we changed back to what Rob and Isaac had been doing, but had thought that might be too big a job for six or seven of us. But quality in the end trumps a little extra work. Also, we had some great advice from a former host of the show, Joe Ressington, who is an audio specialist and does the post-production for a number of his own and other shows. It is great to be part of a community when those doing what in other areas might be considered to be rivals help each other to be better at what we are doing. Finally, thanks to you for producing a great show and sticking with it for 12 years. I have been a listener for a fair chunk of that, and you helped me in my early foray into the world of Linux over 11 years ago. I was sad when Larry stopped doing the Computer America show, uh, but fully understand that sometimes you have to ring the changes. Uh, best wishes for a future 12 years. Regards, Tony Hughes, the Brit on Mintcast. So, Tony, 
you are the one who liked the Computer America shows. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I should. I shouldn't say that. We we've had a lot of people say they love them, and a lot of people say they really didn't care for them. But uh, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, and uh, you know, I listened to Mintcast, uh, and they do a really good job. And uh, we were we we were talking about that uh, before we started recording, uh, maybe a couple of weeks back. That they their audio quality had gotten so much better. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. Keep up the great work, guys, and hey, thanks for everything you do, and uh, uh, just keep plugging away. Yeah, exactly. Great um, service to the Linux community. Yes. So our next email comes from NZ17, who wrote us with a request for help for a Linux hero who's lost his voice, and he means it literally. Aloha from Utah. I still like that, by the way. Aloha from Utah. Aloha from Utah. I am writing to mention a very worthy cause. Hopefully, some of your listeners would be willing to help a fellow Linux enthusiast. And he gives a link to the GoFundMe, and we'll include that in the show notes. Ken Helios Starks isn't fond of the title hero, although hundreds of children and thousands of people in the Linux and open source community have made that reference often. Through a broken spine and stage 4 cancer, Ken Starks has persevered in his calls to bring technology to kids that cannot afford it. His organization... Reglue.org rebuilds broken or decommissioned computers and then places them into the homes of financially disadvantaged kids. He's done so since 2005, but Ken's battle with cancer cost him his uh, larynx and the ability to speak. The device he uses to speak electronically is now broken beyond repair, and he is without a voice, literally. He does not, nor has he ever taken any money for the job he does at Reglue. Like many people, such as Ken, he lives on a small disability check, but still finds a way to make others' lives better. The electric larynx that Ken needs costs $1,300, and of course, his insurance does not cover such devices. Without a voice, Ken's work has become almost impossible to do, and we need your help. For a man that has done so much for others, we hope that we can do this small thing for him. Should we raise more than the target amount, those funds will be put away for device maintenance and possibly other replacement devices in a few years' time. Our group wants to thank everyone who finds it possible to help Ken meet his goal. Ken was awarded the Dewey Winborn Community Service Award and was named as an award winner during a ceremony at the South by Southwest. Ken's involvement in providing technology through free computers to disadvantaged kids was highlighted during the event. He was also given the award for projects and social benefit by the Free Software Foundation. This award is presented to a project or team responsible for applying free software or the ideas of the free software movement in a project that intentionally and significantly benefits society. This award stresses the use of free software in the service of humanity. Ken was awarded this in 2015. You might 
you might have also read his articles about Linux and free software. Ken has written for LXR.com and Linux Gazette and False Force over the years. Could you please mention this to your followers and listeners? I'd really appreciate your help, and I'm sure Helios would be glad to speak again. Thank you. Pedantic Minion Number 1 NZ17 Note Ken has already exceeded this goal, but it looks like you can still donate. Well, thanks uh, for letting us know about that. That would really, that would really suck not not be able to speak. As exactly, exactly. Wow. And yeah, the, the electronic larynx is a, is a great device, but the fact that they won't replace it, cover it. Yeah, that's that's just crazy. Why wouldn't you cover something that someone needs? That makes no. Well, they provided it in the first place. uh, I'm I'm assuming. Why wouldn't they replace it if it's damaged? But hey, that's uh, you know that's that's, uh, insurance for you. Healthcare in the U.S. Um, So yeah, it looks like uh, I just took a look at his uh, GoFundMe, and it looks like it is uh, up above fifteen hundred dollars. So he's exceeded his goal by a couple of hundred duck a couple of hundred dollars and as um as nc17 has, has mentioned to us uh any excess will go to cover hardware and various other things that maintenance and things various other things that ken needs to continue yeah the good work that he does so thanks to all of you who have already donated and yeah, if you care to donate some more we've passed on the message and the link and we'll have that link in the show notes yeah and uh good luck uh to uh to uh, him hopefully he gets it and it makes a big difference uh, that just blows my mind that you know Something like that, which someone would need, they can't get because it's so expensive and it isn't covered by insurance. Well, just that just breaks my heart. Anyway. Yeah, good luck uh, to Ken and uh, glad you've got your voice back or yes. soon. Yes. All right. Uh, Michael has our last email. He had a problem installing the software center. Hi, Larry and Bill. Currently, I am using Synaptic to search for software. However, because the layout might have several file names for an app, I have been trying to find an alternative in case I don't know what names of files I might need for a specific application. I have tried to install Software Center instead with the following error message, which I have created a script of. Uh, And he's got a listing of his script, and it uh, looks like he's using an HP Pavilion notebook. Um, he runs the script, puts his password in. It says reading package lists 0%, reading package lists 100%, reading package lists done, building dependency tree 0%, and ratchets up, building dependency tree uh, 0%, and then 50%, and then it says building dependency dependency tree again and then reading state of information zero percent and then reading state of information done and then package software center is not available (sighs) but is referenced by another package this means that the package is missing has been obsoleted or is only available from another source Uh, and then Hmm. another error message um, package software center has no installation candidate uh, and then it exits. 
So, um, yeah, that's really, really weird. Uh, I'm assuming you're using Ubuntu Mate since you're talking about Software Center, or maybe it's Linux Mint. Um, it sounds more like Ubuntu Mate, though. Uh, huh. uh, maybe there was something wrong with the Software Center package at the time you were trying to install it and they didn't get it replaced in time on the so on the uh, uh on the repositories that should have worked um let me think so you were using synaptic to do the installation uh, you could have tried the um the terminal and uh typed in sudo apt install software dash center but that's exactly what your script is doing um hmm huh. that i i'm i'm at a bit of a loss maybe i'm missing something uh maybe the name of the package is not software dash center I'm yeah not sure. i think that's right so uh, i see a sudo which brings super user then apt install uh, mm -hmm. software dash center. And I was doing just while you were talking, I was looking to see what that's called. And that's what the package is called. Okay. So we're, yeah, we're at a bit of a loss. If anyone in our listening community, our minions, uh, has an answer, let us know. And we'll pass that on to Michael by reading your comments in the show. Does he say what Ubuntu he's running? He did not. So I, I, I just, something just popped in the old brain, which, you know, that's kind of scary. But maybe uh, look to see if his software repository is uh, where the source is, where he's pulling from is correct. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, I think Michael is our blind Linux user in the oh, UK. Okay. And, you know, you you might want to, if, if your script is simply as you've got it here where it says sudo apt install software center you might want to add a line before that that is sudo apt uh, update and then a line yeah. after that sudo apt upgrade uh, and then do your sudo apt install software dash center um, by doing those two lines prior to this you're uh, ensuring that you get the latest version of the software that is available on the repositories um, brought down to your computer as, as kind of a reference. Um, so you're absolutely sure you're getting the, the latest release of whatever the package is you're, you're trying to install. So that might work, but uh, maybe there's something else going on. So Larry, let me tell you what uh, the, uh, in Gone Linux, what I'm going to be doing this week is I'm going to be, playing with MX Linux and doing some trials and see what I can <laughs> see what I can break because mm -hmm. okay. that's just that's the way it is and I'll let you know by next podcast if I if it has converted me to over to it or I'm staying with Bungie and mm -hmm. then uh, I don't have an application pick but I I do have uh, a um, a podcast pick that uh, I'd like to uh, let our listeners know about and uh it's our uh, friend of the show door to door geeks uh podcast and it's called pod nuts and uh, we were i've been talking door on and off uh, this past couple weeks and uh uh 
he's been saying that he doesn't think a lot of people are uh, uh, listening or, or or anything like that. So I would ask uh, if our listeners have some time to maybe uh, go over there, listen, uh, and uh, provide him some feedback about what you'd like to see or or what uh, he can do better. Because he's a real nice guy, and uh, he's been listening to us probably from he's probably listened to one of those people's listened to every podcast uh episode we've ever produced uh starting with one <laughs> yeah he's he listens to a lot of different podcasts as well yeah as I he said he had like so. he listens to like 100 podcasts a week or something so which is just insane so give his uh he his his podcast is uh, Linux related, also, and uh, I know he works. He works uh, fairly hard. I know he's had some co-host uh, issues with uh, health or you know people's getting jobs or whatever. So, if you have a, uh, a spare slot uh, in your podcast uh, catcher, uh, put uh, Podnuts in it and see what you uh, think, and maybe give him some feedback. I know he'd really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, good, good suggestion, Bill. Thanks. Hey, I have to. I have to. You know, we're rivals, so I have no. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, there are Doors there are no rivals friend. in the in the podcast space. You know, the more oh, the okay. more the more the more people who are uh, producing podcasts about Linux, the better. Because yeah, it, and it, and Dor is a great guy, and uh, so I think uh, no, he's a good friend of the show, and I consider him a, a good friend also because you know he's been able to answer stuff uh when some of the our, our uh, minions couldn't figure it out he he uh, had some ideas and he, so he's he's fairly knowledgeable so like i said wanted to throw a little uh uh attention his way and uh give him feedback if you're able and uh i, I think uh, i'd appreciate it and he would too yep thanks Dor. Okay, our next episode, uh, maybe our next Back to Basics episode, or we may have some other types of episodes we're going to squeeze in between the Back to Basics series, yes. but we'll definitely get Back to Basics soon. Yes, and until then, you can go to our website at goinglinks.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe. We are the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done. And if you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining discussion in our Going Linux podcast community on MeWe, community.goinglinux.com. So, yeah, that, that was weird not saying Google+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Okay, until next time, thanks for listening. 73. Music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.